Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Looking for new threads? Well, we've got you covered at the Music is Live podcast official merch store over at tpublic.com. Whether it's t-shirts, baseball tees, hoodies, coffee mugs, travel mugs, phone cases, or onesies for your infant rockers and metalheads, you can find everything you're looking for over at the Music is Live podcast merch store at TeePublic. Go to my link tree at l-i-n-k-a-t-r dot e-e forward slash Music is Live podcast and get your merch today. Buy my stuff and thanks for your support. TerraNut is proud to offer you a natural nut bar chock full of healthy fats, minerals, and protein that meet your demands. Go to their website, www.terranut.com. You can order from them directly, and they will ship it to you. Use my coupon code, LUMAVS, and you will get a 25% discount on your first order. TerraNut Superfood Snacks, www.terranut.com. Don't forget to use coupon code, LUMAVS, at checkout. Fuel your life. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, look no further than the Ratsaw Review Network. Ratsaw Review is taking over the podcast world with plenty of shows to choose from within their network of entertaining programming, including the flagship show, Ratsaw Review, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Lou Mavs, as well as occasional co-hosts Manny Mejias and James Lilquist. We also have the official Ratsaw Review spin-offs, such as Album vs. Album, Screams from the Grave, where we discuss beloved yet forgotten hard rock and metal albums of the past, and a King Diamond podcast called This Broadcast Belongs to Them. We've also got Old Man Metal's Musings, the Metal Thrashing Nerd podcast with Metal Thrashing Mike, the Timo Toki podcast featuring Stradivarius and Avalon founding member Timo Toki, the BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, a podcast dedicated to cheesy films of the 1980s with Tara J and Adam, and the Music is Live podcast with Lou Mavs. The Ratsaw Review Network is your go-to one-stop shop for the best podcasts out there today. Go to RatsawReview.com for more info. And to find out where you can find, follow, subscribe, and comment on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and all streaming platforms. The Ratsaw Review Network. We're taking over. You're listening to the Music is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mabs. On the Ratsaw Review Network. You are now listening to You are now listening to You are now listening to Colopi Colopi. You are now listening to Colopi Colopi. 
Podcast. This is your host, Lou Mavs. Check out everything you need to know about the show over on my link tree, Music is Live Podcast. It's not often that I have a producer in my show who I seem to be interrupting at a rave, or I can't tell if that's his house or not. There's a very exciting light show that's going on right now, but I'm really happy to have back on my show my dear, dear friend, who is also oh, part of my roundtable, Mr. Matt Michelow, who's actually releasing music right now under the name Michelow Beats. I'm really happy to have him on the show tonight to talk about the music that he's producing, that he's been putting out, everything he's been doing. So please welcome onto the show the proprietor of Michelob Beats, Mr. Matt Michelob. Thank you, thank you. Come to the rave. It's at my house right now in the studio here. Oh, we are at your house? Oh, turn off the damn lights so we can see your face. <laughs> it's not my house it's the studio you just said it was your house <laughs> edit that part out <laughs> hey look nothing wrong with home oh, studios look, light. let it be light very nice <laughs> matt how you been we haven't seen you in the show since the youtube channel first launched how's everything going Everything's oh, good. Oh, actually, no, I'm lying. You, you were with me at Images of Eden last year, and we you were at the uh, trauma premiere. That's correct. Yes, and that was a great time. It's been so long since we had you on the show to discuss anything music-related, but I'm really happy to have you on to promote your new music line that you're doing, Michelob Beats. I've added all the tracks to my iTunes, and I'm loving everything you're putting out. You're really showing how, as a music fan growing up, because I've known you for the better part of 20 years, growing up in Queens Village, you grew up a fan of hip-hop, and little backstory into Matt. Let's start at the very beginning. The first rock concert that he ever saw was Raging His Machine and Wu-Tang Clan. And as soon as he saw Wu-Tang, that's right. And as soon as he saw Raging His Machine, he was like, what the hell is this? And that's when he discovered guitar-driven music. So you are a well-rounded music fan. What I love about what you're doing with Michelob Beats is that your music is so multidimensional. Let's talk about your upbringing with music. Everything from point A to point B what it was for you growing up to what it is for you now. Everything with music with me has always been a mistake, I feel. <laughs> a mistake? I, how do you feel? How do you say that? I grew up with hip-hop music. The first two was remember listening to that's hip-hop related is LL Cool J's Mama Said Knock You Out. The very first song I ever remember hearing that I recognized as a song was actually People Are Strange in the Lost Boys movie, the cover that they did of The Doors. I say everything's a mistake in music because... I didn't even know rock music really existed because I didn't have cable TV growing up. So if you didn't have cable TV, 
and you live in Queens Village, you're pretty much hearing rap music all days. I didn't really know anything other than occasionally seeing Beavis and Butt have say Metallica. Yes, yes, Metallica rule. They rule. Shut up, Beavis. And everyone in the neighborhood told Metallica was like a devil worshiping band. We eat the pig and then together we burn! Burn! What you talking about, Satan? So I'm like, I'm not into that crap. I don't care about that's just weird sounding to me. So Metallica I, I devil worshiping band. Oh won't somebody please think of the children? There was literally an expression that the kids would say because they when Beavis and Butthead first came on, I didn't know what Beavis and Butthead was because once again I didn't have cable. <laughs> But they will be like uh, Metallica 666 or something like that. So I'm like, so that music's like devil worshiping music. I'm like, it's just corny to me. That sounds like no offense to all the devil worshippers out there. <laughs> yes, no offense to the uh, Satanists out there. And we wish you a happy holiday and a happy solstice. Hey, Halloween is the best holiday. It's my favorite holiday. It's my favorite American horror film series. God rest Peter Steele. Yes, yes. Brooklyn born and bred and buried in Farmingdale, Long Island. Really? Yeah. He's buried not too far from where I live. There's a cemetery in Farmingdale that was meant for residents of Queens and Brooklyn. And he's oh. actually buried buried in his family's plots. So I'm a resident of Queens. Can I go be buried next to Peter Steele? You could if you buy if you pay for the plot. <laughs> oh, well, I'm also a broke resident of Queens. <laughs> Aren't we all from Queens broke? <laughs> yep. Taxes, taxes, taxes. And back to the topic. I go to see Wu Tang and Rage Against the Machine. Don't really care about Rage Against the Machine. I don't even have a clue who the hell they are. Just love the energy when I got there, but I was only there for Wu Tang. What was that? That was like 97, 96. That was 97. So, right before college, I started listening to Rage pretty much only. And I'd say somewhere in between there, I bought Rob Zombie Hellbilly Deluxe when I was in the wall, which doesn't exist anymore. Mm hmm. Don't know the exact year of that, but you're the one that knows all that stuff. That was 98. So I was in the wall, just like the way the cover looked. It just like looked ridiculous to me. I was just listening to it because that's what I used to do when my parents would go shopping or somebody would be in the mall doing some shopping stuff because I hate shopping. I'd just go into the wall and just listen to all the music. And I didn't listen to rock music ever then, even in the wall, because once again, I didn't know what any of that stuff was. I didn't Elvis play my parents' car and the doors, which I kind of liked the doors, but I didn't really tell anybody I liked the doors because it just seemed kind of dorky at the time as a teenager. I hear you. Listen to Hellbelly Deluxe. So after that, I was like, oh, I hear about the, let me hear this. The only other band I knew, but I didn't really know him. I just knew the name was Metallica because of the whole Metallica. So I asked my friend to uh, let me borrow one of his CDs of his older brother. And he said he's going to buy a guitar this summer. And I was like, yeah, I'm bored. I'll buy a guitar. I don't like rock music really at this point. I just like Rage the Machine. And I'm like, yeah, I'm bored. I'll buy a guitar too. I have nothing to do. So most people buy a guitar because they want to become a guitar player. I just bought one purely out of boredom. And, and it's actually the Jackson that you have right behind you, right? Right here. <laughs> yep. And even though it's getting old these days, if you look at that sticker, the range is a machine sticker. Wow. <laughs> I think the record label sent us a bunch of so, those when we were at WSJU. Yeah. And then I just thought it was metallic. It looked like the thing. It looked like it would go good on a guitar. It's been stuck there ever since. Still looks good. It actually looks very well. It held up great. It literally looks like it's pressed into the guitar. Yes, it does. Except for a little peel right there. But I can cut. 
Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> so that is how I got into guitar completely by accident and not really caring whatsoever. And then I met you. <laughs> Yes, I remember that was our freshman campus ministry retreat. I had stopped playing guitar there because I unfortunately decided to stop playing when I got rejected for the St. John's University pep band. Oh, what to me? So I bitched out and I didn't play guitar that entire summer. All of a sudden, there was an acoustic nylon string guitar on top of the piano. And I was like, eh, well, let me pick it up and see what happens. So I was playing. And then the first person that came to me was you. Can I help you? Nice puppy boy! Cloud! And you asked me, can you play Master of Puppets? And then I played Master of Puppets. It wasn't Master of Puppets. I didn't know Master of Puppets yet. It couldn't have been that. Was it Enter Sandman? I know I asked you. Probably Enter Sandman. And I know I asked you Bulls on Parade. You did ask me Bulls on Parade. Oh, and then you asked me Killing in the Name of. And I think I had to drop tune the... E string to D, and you're like, all right, you're in my band. I'm like, wait, what? What, what, what? <laughs> and that's yeah. how we met a bunch of our college friends. Make a band, right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't know jack shit about music, but hey, I know Raisins and Machine and a few Metallica songs. <laughs> there you go. That's all you needed in the 90s. I was like, yep, yeah, I'm going to learn how to play guitar. This guy's awesome at guitar. I had a friend in... Um, that moved to Florida that used to live here. And he was like totally into rap music and he became like a total, totally into rock music and wore the big Django pants when he came up to visit. He like totally changed how he looked and he taught me how to play blind on guitar. So that's about all I knew on guitar was a few Asians of machine riffs and blind. <laughs> blind by corn. But what are Django pants? You don't remember Django's those stupidly baggy pants that like look like parachutes on each leg? Oh, is that what they were called? Yeah, that's the brand that made them. Oh, I thought they were called parachute pants or something. A lot of people call them parachute pants. If you actually own them or still have your old ones, they're worth like $700 now. That's insane. So I don't have any. I was walking around in baggy jeans and cymbal and boots like a rap kid. While listening to rock music. <laughs> this is true, but you had long hair back then, and you had, like, uh, the long beard, too. So people couldn't tell, does this kid listen to Wu-Tang, Nine Inch Nails, or some black metal shit that we don't know about? Pretty much listen to all of the above. Maybe not the black metal so much. This is true. He wasn't like in so much into the black metal stuff because, let's face it, a lot of it was cheesy. Yeah, I still like Cradle of Filth. Cradle of was, was good. and, and It's cheesy but it's i don't know i like it it's meant to be over the top if it's not over the top it's not noteworthy it has to be over the top for it to work yeah so that's i guess how you can say i got into guitar and now i got into this adventure that i'm in now is this comical. i got an ipad i quit guitar for a while i guess a lot of people we all have that reason we quit then i saw trans-siberian orchestra and i just had to learn how to play requiem it's like, oh, I can still play after having not played for six plus years. And then I was able to play Pantera's uh, Revolution is my name. I liked the whole streaming aspect of everything that was going on. I was like, it'd be cool to just make a band for fun, collect a bunch of riffs and just create stuff for friends. That didn't really pan out yet. I hope it does in the future. But... I have an iPad now and had this thing called GarageBand on it. And a lot of these people that make rap music, after you get into rock music and you get into other genres, because like I said, I was only raised on rap, 
and I was raised on hip hop too, which is we'll talk about that in a second because there's a difference between rap and hip hop. I don't think most people really get that. A lot of this mumble rap and crappy rap, as I call it, mumble crap, I'll say, um, started coming out. I still like the old hip hop. I still like the old rap. I like DMX. I like Fifty. Fifty's like as modernized as I like. I literally made a joke like I can make this stuff on a toilet. I literally was on a toilet one day with my iPad, like. All right, I'm trying to make a rap beat. And I actually ended up making a decent little beat. Had some local kid in the neighborhood pay me 50 bucks for it. Don't know really what came of it. And then he bought like two more little beats from me. I was like, oh, cool. From there, I just started playing with GarageBand and just making whatever came to mind. And honestly, the music I make on GarageBand and the music now that I'm making with Fruity Loops, I don't really use GarageBand as much anymore. And it's not a knock to GarageBand, it's just... My girlfriend got me Fruity Loops, and it's got certain things that GarageBand doesn't, but I love the fact that GarageBand on an iPad, I love the fact that I can use my fingers with everything. That's why I say music's an accident. I literally made this on a toilet now. <laughs> That's how this whole career started, from a toilet bowl. What a shitty ending. Everything was never meant seriously when I got into music. The funny thing is, it's like, all right, I made basically a really generic thing. That's all it really was. When I started learning about the music producing side of stuff, there's just so much depth. And it's like, I felt that love for music that I felt when I started really caring about guitar. Because it got to a point when I was in college, and you can attest to this, that I would, every time I would go home, I would literally play guitar for like four to eight hours straight. Maybe take a break to get a, like a bite real fast just to keep myself going. But I would keep going. Because I was determined to get as good as you at guitar at one point. As good as you, Janine... I just wanted to be on that level to be able to play like all the solos and do all the crazy stuff that you guys are able to do. My, I thank you for the praise, but I definitely, I definitely want to say that he's he's definitely coming to his own as a guitarist and as a musician. I tried to come into my own too, but at the beginning I was just like, I want to be able to do everything. So I learned like almost every damn Metallica song it was at one point. Tried to do every Pantera song, but I can never get the squeals right. And I also didn't have the chops to be able to keep up with Dime. At that point when I was just, at that level, it's just, I didn't have muscle memory. Like, I don't know why I was able to play Revolution is My Name and Pantera songs better as I didn't play guitar. I actually got better without playing. The only thing I can think of is because I lifted weights so my fingers were stronger. I don't know because I didn't play guitar at that point, but my speed increased even though I didn't play, which made no sense to me. It's just been an adventure in a way. When I was trying to play like you guys or trying to keep up and do Metallica this and Pantera, didn't really like Slayer back then. Damn shame. Love Slayer now. Also probably a good thing because that's too damn fast. <laughs> I went at it like a maniac. And I ha I loved going at it like a maniac and just trying to figure out things. And then I started trying to figure out tone. I was like, so I can't, I don't have the ability to play with the chops that you guys have. And that's also because I don't have the years of experience and practice under my belt, right? I started just dialing tone. I started becoming very good at tone. I saw like, I would just sit there playing with knobs on this cheap weekend thing right here for like days trying to come up with different sounds out of this. And this might not be the best thing, but if you can make sound of something that's not that great, you can make sound of anything. This was crazy about figuring out tone and figuring out sounds. And then I became crazy about rhythms as I went on. When I play guitar, I don't really like just playing four fours. I love being like, I'll go four to five, five to seven, back to four. I just let my mind drift. So I love that. I, I, I just grabbed onto it. It was my outlet because I had crap going on at home. It's like, that's how I was able to block out a lot of bullshit that was on in my life. That's also how I was able to 
keep away from doing a lot of bad things that I did when I was even younger and stupid. It became an outlet. France, I'd be in an orchestra when I saw them live. Just kind of brought that back up in me. Where I just needed to play record when I went home. I learned that within the night, like probably an hour I learned those It's not a hard song. It's a fun song to play, though. And then I started playing all the bands I started to love again, like Pantera and Tool. And I, I started getting back into it and wanted to make a band thing. And then, then came the golden experience right here. At first, it was a joke, just like when I picked up a guitar, just like when I met you, like, let's make a band, like, I don't know shit. Let's make a band. Let's go. <laughs> Somehow I became a singer in that band. Yeah, let's not get into that. That was a bit of a nightmare. I can't sing. My throat can't scream, I should say. I just started dialing everything. I started like, oh, I can make this sound and this sound. When it came to GarageBand, a lot of it was samples originally. It wasn't like making the actual beat directly. But it gave me that, that, that rush again of creativity. I would literally have the, the iPad playing while I'm cooking food, hearing a beat and going through different sounds and different samples. I can chop this sample, I can make this, and who knows what's got to come of it. But it's like, all of a sudden I was making a techno song. All of a sudden I was making a rap song, which I haven't really pushed, put out a lot of rap music. And there's a reason why I haven't done that as well. But I just was dialing everything in again, and it was like, this is cool. I like doing this. And then... I'm like, there's no, there's no money to be made in this, but it's just fun. So I had like made like a hundred plus beats on my iPad at one point. And, and then I would delete. I'm like, I had a no good and never delete stuff, by the way. But I used to always delete stuff that I didn't think was good. I kind of wish I could bring that stuff back. And I, I found a thing called Song Tree where people could link up and make music together. It seemed cool in concept, but I didn't have the technology to be able to pull it off, so to speak, because an iPad's not powerful enough to just like record and drop things in so i didn't really have the means but i just had that love i was just playing with these patterns so i died down with that after a little while because there's nothing to come of it and then i would go back and forth between guitar make a beat here or there i would be um in the car with my girlfriend we would be doing something like uber eats waiting for things to come in. i'm like oh, i'm just gonna play with this ipad just just something to keep my mind busy while I'm sitting down in this car because it's boring. Still, I didn't know anything that could come of it. And then I had a friend named Ravi stay by my house. He was kind of down on his lock. He just needed a place to stay for a while. So he stayed at my house for three months. And I would, he never even knew I played guitar. And then I was playing guitar. It's like, well, you can do all that while I'm playing guitar. And it was like, this is probably how I was looking at Lou when he was playing guitar that time. Actually, so I actually thought, like, and I still don't think anything. I'm like, yeah, it's all right, whatever. So he came, became friends with all these guys from Tennessee. So his, his idea was like, oh, let's make a band. The same as I think I said to you, let's make a band. I'm like, what do you do? You don't play anything. He's like, no, I'll just, I'll just direct a band or something. <laughs> okay. I'm like, all right, whatever. So, but he, then he started seeing all the music beats I made. And I looked into selling beats before and thought, it just never clicked completely. Like, I wasn't able to fully understand how to keep myself published and copywritten stuff because I was always afraid somebody would steal it. Like, what if I do actually make that one song that blows up and then I'm like, I don't get a dime for it, right? So he helped look into it even more. He was determined to get me to stop making, putting the music out there, actually. So in a way, he I have to give him a lot of credit because though I had the creativity and I made all this stuff, and he just gave me fruity loops roughly around the same time that he, he moved around here, too. So it kind of just like the universe pushed me to this, if that makes any sense. It's just something I have fun doing. Like, I don't like the idea of trying to make one set style of music. It's like whatever comes to me, comes to me at the time. And honestly, stuff that I make, I don't even know how I make some of it. Like, I understand how I make it, but 
I don't go in like, oh, I'm going to make a pop song today. I don't really listen to much pop music. I listen to all types of music. Like, I love Spotify because I listen to like music from Iceland and everywhere I would never hear. Like The Who, I love them. The Mongolian band. Not right, The Who. The Who. Uh, uh, the, uh, the Who. I don't want to confuse them with the British band, The Who. That's but why it's... I said it down. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are awesome. Yes, and they are. awesome live. They got a standing ovation when I saw them. That's the opening band. How's the Jones Beach? They uh, opened up for Megadeth and um, Five Finger Death Punch. You and I just saw a concert recently at Rammstein. If anyone who's a musician wasn't inspired by that to do some great stuff with it, I, I don't know what to tell you. But that was a great show. Rammstein's amazing. And music's amazing. All music's amazing. If you don't really listen to every style of music, or you don't at least try to listen to different styles, I kind of feel sad because I remember when I just listened to hip-hop, and the, my world just exploded now with the types of music I listen to. Most of the stuff, I don't know what the heck they're saying because most of it's not even in English, but it's just so much sounds out there. And every time you, time you think you've heard something enough... There's like a thousand more different sounds that you don't even know about. Now I hear you. I definitely think it's impossible to call yourself a musician and not find inspiration in things outside of your norm. It's, it's no secret. My band, Severed Angel, for all intents and purposes, I call us a melodic metal band. But there's a lot going on in there that you could hear influences from new wave to even Eastern European folk music. There's a lot going on in there. Check out Omnia. Omnia? What's that? That's definitely folk music, European folk. Now we have to check that out. But, you know, if I didn't open myself up to different styles like this, I don't think I could grow as either a listener or, a or as a musician. So I 100% agree with you. Actually, Timo Tolki, of the the founder of Stradivarius and Avalon, he even said, he's like, what do you think power metal is? It's just sped up Euro pop music with loud guitars and fast drums. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> I forgot who I heard. It was a YouTuber. He basically slowed down Slayer and Sepultura, and he took away the distortion. And he slowed the speed down. It's like, it's just basically Beach Boys. I saw something funny like that where they, they, they took black metal songs and took the distortion off. And it ended up sounding like surfer music. Yeah. Surf rock. That's what I, he called I, it. I think that's. I think we saw the same video. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is pretty amazing, though. The fact that you don't set out to 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 copy a specific style. It's whatever comes to your mind. You're just sitting there and you're creating it. Now, one thing a lot of people are unaware of when it comes to music because they think like, oh, what they're listening to is how it was made as they were recording it, but. You know, people don't understand the equalization, compression, mixing, and mastering that goes along with it. How was it when you reached that learning curve? I would say I'm still very much learning. They had a video, so I'm basing all this video because I feel like I'm very much a beginner. But according to this video, I would consider myself an intermediate. I don't consider myself advanced. And there's different styles of different ways you can learn. For example, take Alex from Seven Angel. He's a he, he's a pro. In my opinion, 
Like I hope to get to that level. What he does and what I do are slightly different in one way in the sense of the creative way. When he was talking, I'm just sitting there like, ah, oh, no gas on. Well, you know, the, the funny story with Alex, and he told me the story. So Alex came from the band Infinite Spectrum, which for all intents and purposes is his band, and he's still doing it. It's just on hold at the moment. But he told me the reason why it ended up coming into play that he taught himself mixing and mastering was be well, not mastering, but definitely mixing. Um, Joel Wanasek is actually the guy who masters our records. But Alex was in a position where the producer who was producing Infinite Spectrum, Alex mentioned to me that he was not happy with the way that it was sounding. So he was experimenting with it at home so he pretty much taught himself about how to do all that stuff. When people heard his final mixes, they were like, you're better than the guy that you paid <laughs> to do it for you. All you need is determination. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I mean, you know, fr from this necessity to get this workout, he actually tested his own knowledge and, and, and pushed it. And I tell you that the stuff that he has released and is about to release with his other band, Tension Rising, to the stuff that we've been releasing with Severed Angel, people are like, my God, how much did you pay for that? Because people think for it to sound as good as it does, that we're dropping four figures per song. When it's really not like that, it's trial and error. And if you know what you're doing, and if you have a good ear, and if you're listening for the sweet points, if, you, if you're hitting the sweet points when you're in the mixing phase then anything could sound like a million dollars i really think it's just a matter of using instinct when it comes to knowing what sounds good not what's going to sell a million dollars because let's face it in this day i think music is is something that people just need to create to feel good about themselves because making money in the industry not that we're insiders in the industry we are definitely outsiders in the industry but i think for people like us we're happy just doing the creative part and if there's financial reward at the end of it, great. But may as well put what we like out there. So I'm going to bounce off of that. I remember seeing somebody and they were talking about being creative. The first time I've heard this was not actually from the same guy. Somebody went up to Tool. I don't remember which member of Tool. He said, how can I sound like you guys? And he said, you don't. You sound like yourself. Because if you sound like us, it makes no sense in the end. Make your own shit. Maybe people will like it. Maybe. Well, I still have that philosophy to this day. It's like... Make your own stuff, because if you're trying to sound like somebody else and you're missing the bandwagon, so to speak, like when Corn came out, there was like a thousand wannabe Corn bands. But you know what? Corn was the originals. Well, people can argue with the Deftones, too. They're kind of both, they're both original in their own right. And everyone was trying to emulate them. Everyone was trying to get a seven string back then. Everyone was trying to sound like Corn. But guess what? There's still only one Corn. There's still only one Tones. So to try to sound like them, unless you already sounded similar to them and there's thousand bands out there that got sound like everybody when that something comes out it's just like oh this band does good everyone's got a the record label's like well this band did good we're gonna sound everyone sounds similar to them but the, the reality is those bands that sound similar to corn at that time people already sounded like that before corn they were doing it in their own town or wherever the heck they were but they still it's like anyone that tried to come afterwards like a new band coming out that just hears like oh i want to sound like corn right now because of the next big thing it's too late and at the end of the day, you're never going to get recognized. So I always look at it like this. Do you want to be a copycat or do you want to be a potential legend? Because if you look at any musician that's a legend in the in music, anybody, Pantera, Randy Rhodes, Jimi Hendrix, like you look at all of them, 
the one thing that they had in common is they didn't sound like nobody. They sound like themselves. You can sound like yourself. Maybe nobody will like you. This is my favorite guitar player. But the one thing he has is that he sounds like himself. It's not that he's the most technical guitar player or he can do this better than that person. Sure, he can do things better than certain players. But at the end of the day, he's really a legend because he came up with his own style and nobody heard him before. And so when you hear like, oh my God, that sounds so different, but you like it, it's like you think that they're amazing. Corn's the same way in a way. Now, nobody's going to say the members of Corn are on the level of Jimmy Hendrix or Technicality or Randy Rose or Dimebag. But they're freaking awesome. They have fans to this day. They got generations of fans they got like grandkids going out to see them and it's because they were original they just did their thing they didn't care necessarily i forgot who um i think head said he used to play uh mr bunghole freaking chords or some weird chords or something yeah mr bungle which is uh mike Patton of faith no more that is his original band so yeah mr bungle when they came out when they they were signed to Reprise after The Real Thing, Faith No More's breakthrough album came out. People were expecting it to sound just like Faith No More. It sounded nothing like Faith No More. I mean, people heard it when they were like, what the hell is this? It was like this like avant-garde type mishmash of everything from death metal to surf music to Calypso. And yeah, they were they were crazy. They were nuts. They they were originals. But look at them now. They're original. I don't really know them up that much. But there were people, like you said, from what I gather, most people are like, what the hell is this? They don't really like it. But look who they influence. Without Mr. Bunghole, who a lot of people didn't grasp for whatever reason, Horn wouldn't exist. This is true. I remember one of my biggest heroes, Eddie Van Halen, he was aware of the fact that everyone who came in his wake was literally stealing everything that he did from the two-handed tapping to the elephant sounds with a vibrato arm he was quoted as saying if he had known what he was going to do was going to lead to a legion of copycats he wouldn't have done it but that's just the way that he plays and even though he had his own line of guitars his own line of amps and his own line of pedals his whole thing was people should try to sound like themselves stop thinking of the guitar as an extension of your and start thinking of it as an extension of what's inside let it emote what you're feeling and if it strikes a chord with people then you know you're doing the right thing but you know if people start comparing it to him he'd be like well then what's the point i'm already here i think that was the greatest thing that he ever said because after his death everybody started buying wolfgang guitars and they started buying evh pedals i'm like why i mean if if you wanted to get it just so you could say that you have it great but if you're trying to sound like eddie if you're trying to be eddie stop it stop it stop it stop it get some help just be yourself as a lot of musicians, I guess I've said that. For me, the first one I heard was Tool. And then I heard some YouTube producer guy saying, stop trying to make all these beats sound the same. Just do your own thing. For me, the one thing I didn't like about bands in general, for being in a band, not listening to bands, by the way, and stuff, is like, I didn't like the idea of having to sound like one set style. Like, you're in a hardcore band, you got to play hardcore music all the time. I get it. You can make multiple bands. But reality is most people don't do that. It's just like, I just like to create, like, the music I'm making right now, I would not have figured I'd be making. And lately, I've been doing a lot of soca music, but I grew up on a lot of soca. But and a lot of bands that don't become as popular tend to have an influence on the more popular bands later on down the road. Like King Crimson, I know is a big influence for Tool. And I don't really think King Crimson got uh, recognition that Tool does in many ways. 
and might get it with people that are into that whole scene, but they don't have as big as Tool when it came to the numbers, but they all influence each other once again. Yeah, another band like that is Porcupine Tree. I had no idea how big of an influence they were on progressive bands. I had only heard of them maybe about 15 years ago, but they were around a lot longer before then. And, you know, people think of Stephen Wilson as like a genius, the way McCartney was a genius of writing pop songs. They said the same thing about Stephen Wilson. And yeah, listening to him now, I could see that. But I I never even knew who he was until like-minded musicians, you know, members of Dream Theater, members of Muse, you know, started talking about porcupine tree i'll give you an example have you ever heard of bob james bob james no i can't say i've heard of him bob james made a song called nautilus <music> nautilus was the most sampled song in hip-hop history in many regards you can say that he started hip-hop while his music was the birth child of hip-hop but nobody liked the song when it came out nobody grasped it, it was like it's like this jazz type of music that's experimental jazz, I guess would be the best way to say it, back in like the 70s. But that song was the most sampled thing in hip hop. It went from something that nobody really could grasp and understand. It spawned one of the most popular forms of music, a whole genre of music. You didn't get the money for it, but... Yeah, well, that's usually the case. But I do want to put over my favorite song that you released to this day, which is called Welcome to the Block. Now, as someone who grew up in Astoria, Queens, who remembers the sound of the elevated end train, and in hearing that song, I remember the impact that groups like Wu-Tang and even some of the more hardcore groups like Onyx, just it brings me back to that era. And the funny thing is, nothing in the song is sampled. It's all original music that was, that was created. And I love everything that you've released, but that still has to be my favorite thing that you've released. Remember how I said that everything happens by complete accident? <laughs> yes. That song was me having a few drums and sounds set up, like the patterns. I have the patterns set up, I have the tones put on yet. I made a song earlier that used those patterns. And it's not, it doesn't sound anything like Welcome to the Block. That song's a pop song. But I still kept the drum patterns just because I didn't want, I wanted to try to get um, Cindy involved in music just to make it fun. Right? So she picked out all the tones of it. So it's patterns that made more of a popish song. And she wanted to make a pop song. So I'm like, all right, cool. I got these pop patterns. The tones that she ended up picking slowly morphed into that. In a way, it was a mistake to make as a hip hop song that became a hip hop song. That song was a happy accident, essentially, is what you're saying? I've made hip hop songs. I have quite a few. I personally have not released hip hop songs. I'll get to that. I guess in a little bit. That song was never intended to become hip hop. It's just like it started sounding like I'm like, oh, it's got that Wu Tang vibe. It just started shifting into that. It was never meant to be that. Once you get to the mixing, like you can have, and I've learned this, I'm still learning this, but I really learned this. I've been making a soca song, right? I made this soca song, but I'm learning how to do soca, but I'm learning the patterns and stuff. There are, you still have to learn music, even if you want to experiment to sound different. You should learn from people be inspired learn from things you like but use it as a tool essentially right so i was making this song, song i was trying to make mimic this song because it was like showing me how to make it i'm like shit doesn't sound right like, i know i got the patterns but nothing sounds like so now i'm in the now i'm mixing it and now it's starting to sound good and now it's starting to sound like something but if you heard the original pattern you think this is atrocious and that's where the mixing comes in but the the Wu Tang ish type song, the Lost, I feel like it's more Lost Boys, but the the, the whole hip hop 
right? Welcome to the Block song was supposed to be pop. So she hit this heavy bass drum that she liked. She liked this bass drum. So she picked the tones out, but then I got involved in it. Then it's like my input comes in. Those heavy bass, I'm like, no, you know what? Let me put let me put that that volume up just a little bit so that when it kicks, the kick hits, it causes slight distortion, just like the old Wu-Tang. And that, I don't know, that beat just started sounding like Wu-Tang. Then I was like, let me use the mixing board now and try to make it sound like you're hitting a play on a cassette player. I want to make this even more vintage. I want it to freaking sound like you're literally hitting a tape player because that's how hip-hop was for me growing up because there wasn't CDs. Rich people had CDs. I had a tape player that would get stuck and rip my tapes apart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an accident. <laughs> well, there's also, oddly enough, your music is actually taken off. You do have a, a, a listenership in the United States, but you've also mentioned Germany. And Finland. And they Finland. Fight, they fight for number one. Sometimes it's Germany, sometimes it's Finland. I don't understand how, but cool. I'm ready to open up for Ramstein. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Have you gotten any emails or direct messages from people in Germany, like talking about how much they love your music? Have you gotten any feedback? I haven't gotten feedback from people in Germany. That I can't say I have. It's just like when you look into Spotify, it shows you what your views are and Seems like I'm supposed to go visit Germany. Well, there's a huge EDM market. I but... don't even know what to play there, though, because my music goes all over the spectrum. It's like, do I play this? <laughs> do I play? Do I play this? Uh poppy britney techno song do i play welcome to the block what do i do here <laughs> play it all there's so many great tracks and you, and you have i i lost count but i have them all i'll tell you how many you have on uh, apple music just give me one second three hours later you have 20 singles available on itunes alone that's 20 different aspects of your personality put into music so I got split personality disorder <laughs> 20 songs of different styles? Nah, not really. <laughs> but that's awesome, though. It's, I mean, you know, how many yeah. artists could say that they have different facets of their personality and their music out there? And they haven't even heard the rock and metal stuff yet. <laughs> I haven't. And actually, I'm happy to say that I'll be working on a song with Matt very soon. One interesting thing that happened to you a couple of months ago was that you were actually hit up by an Indonesian pop star by the name of Anthesians. He hit you up and yeah. you guys actually had a hit together in Indonesia. So what was up with that? Go ahead and tell your story. So he messaged me that he wants to collab. So he's like, you pick any song. I want to sing on it. The truth is, he already wanted the same song that I suggested to him because I know his voice. I've heard his music before. So I heard his music and he's got a very unique voice. It's almost like how I imagine angels would sing. I recommended this song. I already, I know it was like, I made it the beat already. So I know it's copyright. So I don't have to worry because once again, I'm new to this in many ways. Sure, I've sold little hip hop beats to random people in the neighborhood, but I'm new to dealing with. I mean, somebody all the way from Indonesia, for example, it's, everything's being transferred over the wave files. He's like, oh, I, I love that song. So he, he wrote lyrics up really fast, and they just matched very well with the song. They matched the vibe of the song. So now it's like, okay, I don't know how to master. I actually have never mixed anyone's vocals before. I try to get some friends in the neighborhood to try to practice vocals. I need to practice doing these things to get better. I never really got anybody to do that, so... I'm like, all right, now this is big because I don't know how to do mastering. We ended up basically learning how to master the vocals. And I'm quite good at mastering. It's almost natural to me to master, surprisingly. Mixing, I still need to learn because mastering, I feel, is simple to me. But mixing is very subjective. 
when you master something, the idea is to get the best sound as loud as possible. When you're mixing, there's whole different elements that can come into play. He liked the song so much, but he wanted to redo the vocals. He was just so excited, and we didn't get to do the full mastered version of it. That's actually a non-mastered version. Quality-wise, it will be even now then. That's like, think of that as like a practice session. But we want to do music again. The time difference makes it kind of tedious at times to communicate, and we all got things going on in our lives. He's doing tours all over, festivals everywhere. Yeah, it's just the first time I made what I would consider Afrobeat type of music. So it was actually the first time I ever made that style of music. I don't even know if it's Afrobeat, to be honest. That's the closest thing I've heard to what it was. I'm not really influenced by any Afrobeat musicians because I don't know any, but it's just music you vibe to. It's got a nice chill vibe. I tend to make music like, I wouldn't say it's emotion as it's more of just different feelings. Music's always been an escape, so I guess like if I'm making music and it's like got a chill vibe, it's maybe I might not be in a chill state, but I want to be in that chill state. So it's like almost it's like an imaginary world that I live in that I escape to. And he got the vibe right away. Like the original song was called Root Chakra. He basically worded it to basically mean root chakra in uh, Hindi, and he didn't even know what he he didn't know what root chakra was. He just kind of looked it up and. He connected with it and wrote the lyrics up. So it's kind of like he looks at things in very similar ways to how I look at things, just on a vocal level. Like he looks at it from more complexity than just straightforward. Like, and almost every beat that I make is most people never get the story behind any of the beats that are in my head. But it's like I'm always trying to make a story when I make them. But it's, I know at the end of the day, it's really only my story. But nobody's got to really know it. Fair enough. Well, it definitely struck a nerve with his fan base. You even did a couple of interviews with him on Indonesian programs, correct? Yeah, I did an interview with him, a video interview with him once. And it was kind of cool. The connection was kind of acting up here and there, but for like five seconds. And that's about it for the show. I don't have these guitars hooked up. Don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely down to collaborating with him again. For the future yeah. i love music so i'm down to collaborate with anybody because i just love to create music if you i'm like i try to get my girlfriend to do one she's just like eh. and you know i try to get like literally anyone it's like can you whistle okay good you're ready let's go <laughs> <laughs> it's like i don't care whatever if you want to sing we can do it doesn't matter for me music is like it's my escape it's always been my escape even before i got into making music like i remember growing up listening to like Wu-Tang and all the old school hip hop and my parents would be fine. I would just put the headphones on. I would just zone everybody out. I would walk down the blocks with uh, my headphones just blasting. I'd walk back and forth in the basement for hours when things were going on upstairs that I didn't like. There's certain things I can relate to in a lot of um, the 90s era music. It's relatable. I grew up in that lifestyle, but not. I'm not hardcore by any means. Or, But I grew up around it, even if I wasn't fully in it. I don't a lot of people that have lived that real lifestyle that I'm not even about. No, I hear you. That's what I've always loved about music is the fact that it was a release from that stuff. I know we both went to different high schools. My high school is right across the street from the Woodside Projects. I'm happy to say that I didn't see all the violent stuff that was going on, especially at the time. We're talking like 95, around that time where people try to act hard. But I'm grateful that I always had that opportunity to go home, just get my homework done 
pick up guitar and just practice, like you said, four to six hours a day, taking a break just to grab a bite to eat. Here we are today. We're talking about on this podcast. We're doing it on our own and we're doing it together. Thank you for listening to the Music Aside podcast brought to you by Anchor.fm and Ratsad Review. Check out the other shows on Ratsad Review, including Beyond Bushido, Old Man Metals Musings, The Right Opinion, The Vieira Vault, The Timo Toki Podcast, The BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, and The Friday Night Party with the great Harry Barnett and Evie. Graphics by Rocky Baia. For commissions, find them on Twitter at R-O-C-K-Y-B-A-I-A. Intro and outro music for the show is Lose Control by The Rebel Medium, written by Jacqueline Guitard, Ernest Leuk, and Lou Mavs. If you'd like to donate to the channel, please donate to our PayPal at musicislivepodcast at gmail.com. If you're in a band and you want us to review your music, then contact us at Mavs at musicislivepodcast.com. Special thanks to Wayne Noon and Greg Noggle. With much love and gratitude to Aaron, Anna, and Aloysius. For more information, check out www.musicislivepodcast.com. And don't forget to check out www.ratsireview.com. Remember, all art is valid. Thanks for listening. Cheers.